I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey everybody, welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Wallentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So grab your dissent. And let's get civical. one of those episodes but it is this is the first time i think we're drinking and it's not about like an alcoholic Mm. subject that's true but i feel like to have a drink for this subject is appropriate i feel like we're having it's a toast toast. it's a toast to our subject our topic our topic which who is Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Queen of SCOTUS. Queen of SCOTUS. We've been waiting to do it. We've been waiting for the right moment. And you know what? Here, in at the end of all things, it feels like the right <laughs> moment just to get it in. As the apocalypse. Just to sneak it in Yes. There. As the apocalypse comes upon us, it is time to mm-hmm. talk about the great. Ruth. <laughs> the great Ruth. The great Lady Ruth. The great Ruth. I mean, it's, she's the best. Yeah. She's the best. It's like when I went to do these notes, I was just like, there are there are so many things to say about yep. her. And I know I'm going to miss something important. So just know that I love her. But there are also like so many amazing things that have been made about her life. Yeah. Like, I mean, the RBG documentary is phenomenal. Mm. If you haven't watched yep. it, go watch it. 
go watch go watch, it. go watch it it's the wine it's already <laughs> it's already taken effect we're already intoxicated i'm already intoxicated i'm drinking a red wine what are you drinking, I'm drinking a rosé oh yes of course mm-hmm, of course mm-hmm. That is your signature. Yeah, but I'm really excited to talk about Ruth. And this is our last of the SCOTUS biopic, biopic series. You tell me. I don't know which one it is. And I know we've talked about it before, but I forgot. (laughs) I forgot. And that's fine. But this is the sheet. We're rounding it out. Yeah. It's, It's done. And then we will, I mean, we'll continue doing biopics as we've already done with Marsha. But. Oh, right. As far as far as SCOTUS goes, goodbye, goodbye and good luck until to the current nine. Yes, to the current nine until we get a new one. We get a new one, which will not happen until twenty twenty one. Yep, at the earliest. If you say it and you manifest it, it will come. I learned that from the book The Secret. You have to manifest. It. I'm gonna manifest it. We're hopeful. We'll see. Yep. But we're not talking about the future. We're talking about the present. And I do mean that as a, as the word present meaning time and present meaning gift because <laughs> RBG. Is a gift to us all. Is a gift. Is a gift. She's a gift. Yep. And I'm going to tell you about her life and her history and all of the fun things. And let's get ready to rumble. I'm going to take a sip. Hold on. Yes. yes, you have to do all the talking this episode. I just I get know. to sit here and drink and react. I did. I did. There, it's there's a lot of notes. Uh, there's a, it's a lot of it's a lot of court cases mm. because obviously RBG has been a part of approximately two billion significant court cases. So I tried to pull as many as I could. You know, we're gonna we're gonna just touch on some. We're gonna get in depth with some others. I'm gonna miss ones that are important and that's okay it's okay we all know she's doing a lot she's done a lot she just can't do it all in an hour no and she's done it all having various forms of cancers and sicknesses and three times (laughs) this poor woman three times god my goodness okay let's start at the beginning. A very so good these place beginning to notes. Start. Sorry, did you think I wasn't okay. going to sing? Did you think I wasn't going right. to sing? You're right. I walked into it. <laughs> you really? I, I just I squared into it. I heard what you were laying down, and I simply yes. needed the space to pick it up. Thank you for rising to the call of action, my... which was a sound of music moment. Okay, so at the beginning, this these notes are coming from womenshistory.org. I love this website. It's such great. a great website. It's just a, 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 all important women in one place, and they're great. They do great work. So, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was born on March 15th, 1933 in, hello, Brooklyn, New York. <gasps> oh. She is, I know. It's, it's here. She was born in my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> right here on this my new couch that i just got delivered today the biggest couch in new york city the biggest couch, guys it's, side quick the quickest sidebar i have the largest couch in new york city in my new, in my living room now it's luxurious it's so and luscious big it's enormous it, and i'm so pleased it can fit like four people lying i was gonna, completely I was gonna down. say you could have a legit slumber party and everybody would yes. be comfortable yes and that's all i ever want yeah i love a couch moment i love it so she was born in Brooklyn, New York. She's 87 years of age. Oh, my goodness. So she's definitely one of the oldest. I think Clarence might be older, but one of the oldest on the court, obviously. She was born to a Jewish family. Wait, wait, wait. Do we think? Wait, wait, wait. What, what, what? <laughs> what, what, what? What's the conspiracy? Everybody's always worried about, like... On, on the left, like Ruth Bader Ginsburg hanging on until Biden gets elected yeah. and he can appoint somebody. Do we imagine that if Biden gets elected, that Clarence Thomas would hang on for those four years? Like, like, or oh, do we think know. we're going to get another appointment out of that? That's such a great question. I kind of, my vibe from Clarence, and of course we've, you know, had many encounters, mm. is that I don't think that he is at all really plugged in to to what him stepping down would mean. Yeah. I think he is very much like when he's done with it, he'll step down and he could not care less about the political ramifications that would result from that. I kind of appreciate that. I can appreciate that. Sure. I mean, it's like that's how he just runs his whole thing on on SCOTUS, which is just like he's going to 
sit there and not say anything and make his decision ahead of time and yep you know like i don't think i don't i really i genuinely don't think that he cares when he retires i also don't see him i don't see him retiring from the bench i see if he, there's a vacancy i think it's because he passed mm. bold statement bold statement like, yeah 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 no but i think i agree i just i just yeah. needed to like throw that out there and see where it landed. No, it's it's a fair question. I mean, they're both quite up there. Yeah. I don't even... Let's just quickly look. Oh, my God. I couldn't have been more off. He's 72 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought that they were much closer. Okay, sorry, Clarence. See? <laughs> he does not look 72, and I'm sorry. He doesn't look... Like, when you said 80-something, I was like, that might be a bit high, but he is awfully just, gray. <laughs> he's awfully gray. No, he's... It's, you know what? Steven is 81 years old, which he looks no older than 66. No, he is a stallion, Might a I young say. stallion, Stephen Breyer. Yeah, hold on. SCOTUS ages. If you hear me typing, like, come on, get over it. Oh, yep. So it's, so RBG is the oldest at 87 years old. Okay. Steven is 81 years old. And then it's Clarence at 72 years old. Oh, Okay. Yeah, and then John John is 65. Oh, sorry, Alito is 70. John is 65. Sonia is 66 years old, and she does not look a day over 52, no, honey. she looks good. Wait, how old is... And Elaine Higgins is also in her 60s. They both look amazing. These ladies looking hot. Yeah. Neil Gorsuch is the baby at 52 years old. Oh, Which we did talk about. Yes. Yeah. He's, a, he's in, from the womb. But yes, yes. So that is the ages. Okay. Sorry, Clarence, for <laughs> aging you 15 years. Listen, he's done worse to people. I mean, so sorry, so, so sorry. But my but my sentiment about him being replaced still stands. Yes, yes. Yeah. Whenever that happens. That makes total sense. Okay. Yeah. Back to RBG. Yes. So she was born to a Jewish family. Her father, Nathan Bader, immigrated to the United States, while her mother, Celia Amster Bader, was a native of New York. Oh, hello. Hello. So she is obviously Jewish, yep. and we love to see that. For her education, she attended PS 238, oh. if anybody knows it, for elementary school, and James Madison High School in Brooklyn, which I'm almost 100% certain my boyfriend also went to. Really? Not that they are in the same category at all, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure he went to James. I Madison didn't realize High that your boyfriend was a native New Yorker. Yeah, he was born and raised in Brooklyn. I had no idea. <gasps> yes, my boyfriend is Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Everybody, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I've been keeping it under wraps. Are you joking? I do he, not deserve her at all. He really, uh, like, he's taking her path. Yeah. He's taking her path, and I do appreciate that. That's so good. So she, yes, she went to high school in Brooklyn um, before continuing on to attend Cornell University, and Ginsburg graduated from Cornell with a BA in 1954. So after graduating from Cornell, and this is the story that I think a lot of people know, Ginsburg started attending Harvard Law School. And while at Harvard, Ginsburg was one of only nine women in a class of 500 students. She often faced gender discrimination and was asked to explain how she felt about taking a spot in the program that was meant for a man. Uh, I, bet she felt, I bet she felt great. I bet I, she, I, I great. would be like, I feel fucking fabulous about I feel that. literally amazing. I feel, I feel 10 out of 10. Yeah. 10 out of 10. Can't recommend this enough. Yeah. Take, take the spots. Take it. Take it. So a fun fact right off the bat, she became the first female member of the Harvard Law Review. Get it, sister. Of course she did. Get it, sister. Ginsburg transferred to Columbia Law School in 1958 for her final year. Um, it's because her husband moved to New York, so she transferred to finish her studies in New York. Mm. During her studies, she made both as I said, the Harvard, and also the Columbia Law Review. And she ended up graduating with her law degree, the LLB, or the LL Bean, from Columbia in 1959. First in her class. First in her class. Ah, oh, get it. Get it, honey. 
what a life's work. And, like at this, oh, she's I know. like already like achieved more. And just you wait. Than most humans. There's more. There's more. Sip of my wine, and here we go. Okay. So let's talk about her road to SCOTUS. Okay. And this is coming from CNN and, of course, oh, yay. Oh, yay, oh, yay, oh, yay. It is. It infiltrates these notes, obviously. We love them so much. I feel like it would be sacrilege to do a, an episode that involves a court case of any kind and not use oh, yay. It's such a helpful tool. I don't such understand what you would find that's better than oh, yay. Literally nothing. I, frankly. Yeah. Literally nothing. Even her, so this is after graduation, even her exceptional academic record was not enough to shield her from gender-based discrimination women faced in the workplace in the 1960s. She had difficulties finding a job until a favorite Columbia professor explicitly refused to recommend any other graduates before U.S. District Judge Edmund L. Pamiri hired Ginsburg as a clerk. So this professor is like, you're not getting a single name. I want to know from me. I want to know who that is. I want to elevate this random Columbia professor who was like, "Oh yes, did not give me the name." Oh. But shout out to this Columbia yes, professor yes. for being like, "You don't get a single name until you hire Ginsburg." Yep, she's the best. She's the best. She's the best. Why would you want anybody else? Literally the top of her class. Exactly. Top of the class. So from 1959 to 1961, she was a law clerk to that judge in the U.S. District Court, Southern District of New York. Love. Love. And then from 1961 to 1963, she was a research associate and associate director of the Project of International Procedure at Columbia Law School. Wow, okay. And then from 1963 to 1972... She was a professor at Rutgers University School of Law. So we're seeing the, the teaching yep, route, yep. which we've seen before. Yep. Shout out to Elena Kagan. We know you. We love you. Then after that, from 1972 to 1980, she was a professor at Columbia University School of Law. And there she became the first woman to be hired with tenure. Wow. With tenure. Damn. First, woman, first professor. Yeah. To get tenure. Wow. 1972, people. That's so recent. So recent. So recent. Also, at the same time while she's this law professor at Columbia, so from 1973 to 1980, pretty much the same amount of time, she is also the general, she's a part of the general counsel for the ACLU. Shut the front door. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's the arguments that she argued in front of the Supreme Court were ACLU, like. Their cases. Yeah, she set up a, I don't know if I put this in the notes. Hold on. She co-founded the Women's Rights Project at the ACLU. So while she's working for them, she co-founds the Women's Rights Project, which is, you know, most of the um, cases that she argued in front of SCOTUS, which we'll talk about in a little bit, Mm -hmm. were gender discrimination cases. Like, that's why it's become her legacy to be this advocate for gender discrimination. God, I love that story. Yes. Then from, so that was until 1980. Then from 1980 to 1993, she was a judge of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit, the big, big circuit. She was nominated by the love of my life, Jimmy oh. Carter. Jimmy. <laughs> Who knows? He knows talent when he sees it. Oh, God. I mean, can you believe it? Jimmy. Jimmy. He had it. Finger on the pulse. On the pulse. Jimmy Carter. The pulse of the the future Jimmy Carter. Yes. And fun fact, while on this appeals court, she served with Clarence Thomas. God, like they've just spent, what is that, 40 years together? A lot of time together. Oh my God, I think I might cry. <laughs> just sob. Just I would just walk. Just in. start sobbing. I would just like see him, and I'd be like, "You're still here." <laughs> My wine is kicking in. How? How? Okay. Um. Obviously, she is nominated by President Bill Clinton to become a justice of the Supreme Court, and on August tenth, nineteen ninety three, she is sworn in. As a Supreme Court justice filling in the seat held by Justice Byron White. Fun fact, this is six days before my literal birth. (gasps) (gasps) Damn, girl. (laughs) 
So I like you, so, and and then I was like, I because I was so I was cooking in the womb, and she got sworn, in and I was like, I'm ready. I'm ready. I can be birthed. I'm ready now. now. Yep. Here we go. Here we go. I love that you I'm haven't. No, I mean, like I was alive, but was I paying attention to any of this shit? Not really. No, I mean, I would love it if you were. I mean, I I do remember watching the the Clinton impeachment trial, but th- I mean, this I didn't. I don't remember, but I do love that you haven't known a Supreme Court without RBG. That's true. My entire life has been RBG. I've been protected by RBG. Yep. So with that, let's talk about notable cases. Great. Again, there are 1,500 billion cases that (laughs) RBG has done that are of significance. If I don't say one that you wanted me to say, just let me be. There's a lot coming at you, and I think these are great ones. Great. So these notes are coming predominantly from OEAs, obviously. But a couple of tidbits from History.com, and kind of amazingly enough, Teen Vogue. They do good they work. This, they do this, I mean, they had this amazing, like, summary of some of her most, like, notable cases. And I was Ooh. like, this is such a great resource. So shout out to Emma Saren Webster and Caitlin Wolper. Like, do They do the great work. work they honey. do great work. They do great work. So shout out to them. So... The first case I want to talk about is not actually a case of her as a Supreme Court justice, but it is the first case that she argued in front oh, of the God. Supreme Court because she did do that. Love okay. So this is Frontario v. Richardson. And this one is, this is what's coming from um, history.com. So when a woman in the U.S. Air Force applied for benefits for her dependent husband, she was told that she would have to prove he was a dependent, even though men in the Air Force didn't have to prove that their wives were dependent on them. Oh, shit. wives are inherently dependent. Because they're property. <laughs> property. In an amicus brief, Ginsburg used the statute to argue that gender-based discrimination hurt men, too. Quote, why, she asked the court during oral arguments, did the framers of the 14th Amendment regard racial discrimination as odious because a person's skin color bears no necessary relationship to ability? Similarly, a person's sex bears no necessary relationship to ability. So she's obviously like, we don't deem somebody's race to be a deciding factor on how well they can perform. Right. And the same should be said about sex. Right. Like, it's an arbitrary thing. Yeah. Basically. The Supreme Court found the benefit policy violated the Constitution and argued that because of the United States' long history of gender-based discrimination, the court should use a strict standard of judicial scrutiny for laws that used sex as a classification. So this really opens the floodgates. It's the first time that the Supreme Court is like, you know what? We need to keep an eye out for laws that are about, like, are, are using sex as a reason to be discriminatory. Right. And we need to be hard on those. It's like the Voting Rights not, Act, but for gender. But for gender. Um, and this is, like, where her whole gender equality crusade begins. It's with this case. Wow. And this, is a, this was a trend with her when she was arguing cases, when she was taking on cases and doing something brilliant where it was cases where the... There were sex discrimination cases, but they were against, there were men being discriminated, oh. discriminated against. Oh, she's so good. And she was, she was using, she was using those cases to be like, these men are being discriminated against because they're men. Mm-hmm. And that was proving a larger point. It's like, you can't, if you, if you want to outlaw discrimination on the basis of sex, it has to be both ways. Yep. Genius. Genius. It's, it's, it's genius. It's genius. Got you so good. So. And that was in 1973. Shout out. So next up, she's on the court. Okay. This is United States versus Virginia. And this was in 1996. So when 1996 started, the Virginia Military Institute was the country's last remaining all-male public undergraduate college or university. But by the end of the year, that would no longer be the case, thanks in part to Ginsburg. The United States filed a suit against the school arguing that the gender-exclusive admissions policy violated the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment 
of the Constitution. Yes, it did. The case reached the Supreme Court, where the state of Virginia argued not only that women weren't properly suited (gasps) for VMI's rigorous training, but also that the state's creation of a separate military program at the women's only liberal arts school, Mary Baldwin University, was sufficiently equal. It's like, so this is over here that's all all women, and therefore it's a wash. Right. The court disagreed and struck down VMI's all-male admissions policy, with Ginsburg writing the majority opinion that made it clear gender equality is a constitutional right. Yes. And, and, and I quote, <gasps> Neither the goal of producing citizen soldiers nor VMI's implementing methodology is inherently unsuitable to women, she wrote. Later adding, quote, generalizations about, quote, the way women are, end quote, estimates of what is appropriate for most women no longer justify denying opportunity to women whose talent and capacity place them outside the average description. No more generalizations, people. Yep. No more. Nope. God, that's so good. I know. She's so smart. She's so smart. She's so smart. She's scrappy. She's like she's she's scrappy. Oh, she's she, like she's a she's from Brooklyn. She's from Brooklyn. Come she's on. Brooklyn scrappy. Like, come on. She's Brooklyn scrappy. I love Brooklyn. Shout out to just all of Brooklyn. I love you a lot. <laughs> just across happy to the be board. here. We're gonna take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Next up is Olmsted VLC in 1999. This one is very interesting. 
So the facts of the case are two women with mental illnesses and developmental disabilities were voluntarily admitted to a psychiatric unit in the state-run Georgia Regional Hospital. Elaine Wilson had been diagnosed with personality disorder, while Lois Curtis was diagnosed with schizophrenia. So those are the two women. Okay. Once they both completed treatment, the women were deemed ready for a move to a community-based program, but the move never happened. Wilson and Curtis were kept confined in the institution for several years after completing treatment. What the fuck? I know. So it was argued that under Title II of the 1990 Americans with Disability Act, the women had to be moved to the most communally integrated setting possible. Defending the Georgia Regional Hospital's decision, Olmsted, who was Georgia's Commissioner for Human Resources, so that's why his name is on there, argued that although the women were medically cleared for a more integrated treatment setting, financial constraints and the need to fundamentally alter treatment programs prevented this from happening. Fuck so he's you! Argu- I know. He's arguing that we weren't discriminating against them. We just didn't have the money. So it's not, we're not violating this act. That's insane. Also, this is 1990-fucking-nine. 1999. 9-11 is two years later. Two years later. This is appalling. Holy shit. So the question that was posed to the Supreme Court was, should financial constraints entirely determine whether states comply by the 1990 Americans with Disability Act guidelines concerning community treatment programs for the mentally disabled? No! And... (laughs) In a six to three decision, no, 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 no. Oh my God, could you imagine if they were like, yeah, if you don't get the money, you don't got to do it. That would be the end of everything. 100% I can imagine that though. That would be the end. The 90s court, come on. I can totally imagine That's true, the 90s court, yes. But six to three, they said no. And this, and so this is, this became a landmark case for disability rights. And so the court found that the ADA, so the Americans with Disability Act, required the placement of patients with mental disabilities in integrated settings when they're medically cleared for such settings and they themselves express a desire for such settings and the resources for such a transfer are available. The court added that financial constraints might be significant if the state can show that the allocation of resources to one patient will cause harm to others. I just So basically they're like, this could, you could have won this case if you could have proven that right. to do this would have been harmful right. to other patients. But, like, you won't. Yeah, that wasn't not, your you argument. Know. Yeah. No. Ginsburg wrote the opinion and said, quote, Public entities must provide community-based services to persons with disabilities when such services are appropriate. The affected persons do not oppose community-based treatment, and community-based services can, reason- can be reasonably accommodated and like that like was kind of the first case of its kind when you're dealing with like this type of disability case right and she's up there being like let's go let's go wrote the opinion you can't keep people in a treatment center when they've completed their treatment and not transfer them out just because you don't have the money to do so yes that is exactly what they're saying that is exactly what they're saying i love that it's a Astonishing to me that that is so recent. Yeah. Oh, yeah, honey. Is... We have just we've just come around to some things. I mean, oh god, yeah. Honestly, yep. Okay, next one is just a friendly oh. face. We oh, know god. it. We love it. Oh. It's obviously Bush v. Gore I'm in two thousand. I'm so angry. Oh my god. If oh god. Okay. We know it. We love it. You know. Okay. So a quick summary because I'm not going to spend a lot of time on Bush v. Gore. This case ended up at the Supreme Court after George W. Bush's campaign filed an emergency application to stop a Florida Supreme Court mandate for a manual recount of the ballots in the 2000 presidential election against then-Vice President Al Gore. The Supreme Court granted Bush's application, and critics say the court's decision to end the recount effectively gave Bush the victory in Florida and the National Electoral College. So they gave Bush the win I really, in this decision. Like, I, this is the start of the end of it. It's the beginning of the end. It's right here. In it's Bush the Gore. beginning of and the end is Bush honestly, v. Gore. Like, that's the Ginsburg title of the movie. 
Huh? Ginsburg felt it too? Ginsburg felt it too. That's the title of the movie is the beginning of the end. Yes. Because obviously Ginsburg wrote a dissenting opinion in which she disagreed with the court's favoring of Bush. She famously wrote in her opinion, quote, I dissent. The phrase was a somewhat harsh departure from the court's decorum, which means dissenting justices usually use the term respectfully. <laughs> I respectfully dissent. And she was like, I respectfully dissent. Nah, bitch. I, I just dissent. I fully dissent. Yep. I 100% dissent. I with no reservations <laughs> dissent. Dissent. I just want to make sure that all y'all across the states know. I dissent. I want no I dissent. part of this. Nope. I not me. Say Wash my moi. hands of this. Mm-mm. I am done. Absolutely not. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> Another big case for her. This is one of her more notable ones. This is Ledbetter, the oh. Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company. Do you know Lily, it? 2006? Oh, the, Lily Ledbetter. Lily yeah. Ledbetter. Lily yeah. Ledbetter. So here are the facts of the case. Over her 19-year career at Goodyear Tire, Lily Ledbetter was consistently given low rankings and annual performance and salary reviews and low raises relative to other employees. Ledbetter sued Goodyear for gender discrimination in violation of Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, alleging that the company had given her a low salary because of her gender. A jury found for Ledbetter and awarded her over $3.5 million, which the district judge later reduced to 360000 That's a big difference. Uh, yeah, it's, I would say $3 million difference. That's $3 million. $3 million in Who, difference. That's bullshit. Of course it's bullshit. That's this some thing bullshit. bullshit. That's some bull. A jury yeah. was like, we 12 think you are owed this money, and some bitch-ass judge is like, no. 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 No, no. Yep. Well, just wait. It gets worse. Great. So Goodyear appealed, obviously, citing a Title VII provision that requires discrimination complaints to be made within 180 days of the employer's discriminatory conduct. The jury had examined Ledbetter's entire career for evidence of discrimination, but Goodyear argued that the jury should have only considered the one annual salary review that had occurred within the 180-day limitation period before Ledbetter's complaint. So it's basically like, ignore the... 19, 18 yes. and a half other years, and you can only take, you can only examine one year's worth. Ignore, ignore the patterned behavior. Ignore mm-hmm. the time, you know. Yeah. So the question that Scotus faced was, can a plaintiff bring a salary discrimination suit when the disparate pay is received during the 180-day statutory limitation period, but is the result of discriminatory pay decisions that occurred outside the limitations period? So can we look beyond 180 right. days? Because not even taking them, like taking those prior instances individually, they all add up. Yes. Right? Like you get the first raise and then your salary is higher than what it would have been. And then, yeah, da, 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 da. yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. Okay. The court said no. By a 5-4 vote, the court ruled that Ledbetter's claim was time barred by Title VII's limitation period. Obviously, RBG dissented, and in her dissent, she called the majority's ruling out of tune with the realities of wage discrimination and a, quote, cramped interpretation of Title VII incompatible with the statute's broad remedial purpose. She suggested that, quote, the legislature may act to correct this court's, oh, my God, hold on, parasim... Sorry, hold on. I'm going to sound it out. Yeah, you are. Parsimonious. Parsimonious? Parsimonious. No. What is it? Parsimonious. Parsimonious. Yeah. Big word. It's a big word. Reading. Parsimonious. It's not entirely clear where you would put the emphasis, like on which sure. syllable. Sure. But you know did you what? Like she what I did used there? it. Yes. <laughs> yes. So good. <laughs> I'm here all night. Um, okay, so she quote said that the legislature may act to correct this court's parsimonious, is that it? I don't know, yeah, reading yeah, of yeah. Title VII. So that was that was a big one for gender discrimination again. And 
this is another notable descent of hers, obviously. Yeah. I mean, she's the queen of descent, as we know. This is, I mean, this is a really, like, this is a case that, like, this woman's life then, because th- this is where the Lily Ledbetter Act came from, uh, that, uh, that Obama Oh, signed. just hold that. Put a pin in that. Put okay, a pin great. in it. I'm going to get great. to it. Okay, great. So I have two more cases left. They are These are ones we're just, we're just stopping by on. Great. Why not? Another very famous descent of hers is obviously Burewell v. Hobby Lobby in Ugh. 2013. We know it. We love it. You can Fuck deny Hobby women Lobby. birth control because you're religious. Oh, my God. So if you want to read a very good descent, check out that one from RBG because she obviously wrote that descent. Yep. And then finally, because we just did this case... Obviously, we had to stop by and take a look at a Obergefell v. Hodges in 2015. She voted in favor. Gay marriage was legalized in the United yes. States. Just had to had to say it. And of course, this the last case that I'm touching on is in 2015. There have been many significant cases that have come between 2015 and, and t- literally June of this year. June of this year, last month. Yep. But what I, when I got to like the 2015 era, you, it got to a point where you can almost pretty much predict the way that RPG is gonna, yeah, is gonna swing. Yep. So that's why I just, I felt we should end with, with a Burgerfell because, yeah, we just covered it. it. And, yep. And I wanted to have enough time for some fun facts, fun facts, fun facts, fun facts, fun facts. Fun facts. So these are coming from, of course, oh, yes, CNN, Bustle, and Yahoo. Great. So if you didn't know, RBG is the second ever female justice to serve on the Supreme Court. Obviously, Sandra Day O'Connor was number one. RBG was number two. So she argued six cases in front of the Supreme Court. And they were the first one that I mentioned, Frontario v. Richardson, Kahn v. Shevin, Weinberger v. Weinsfeld, Edwards v. Healy, Califano v. Goldfarb, and Duran v. Missouri. So six cases that she argued, which is, like, very impressive. She's just, like, been around this institution for the majority of her life. Right. Like, it's... That's very impressive. She's very impressive. Yep. So I'm unpinning the thing we were just talking about. Okay, great. Okay, great. The first piece of legislation President Obama signed was the Lilly Ledbetter Fair Pay Act of 2009. Yep. And a copy of the signed legislation hangs in RBG's (gasps) office. I didn't know that part. Yes. Uh, I didn't mm-hmm. know she had a cut. Co- that makes so much sense. Oh, of course God. it does. What a good president he was. It's literally like it was the thing. It was she was like, this is a gender discrimination case, and we lost it. And I literally said that hopefully the yes. legislature can yes. correct this. Yes. And it did. And it did. And the president signed it. And like she willed it into existence. This she is did. manifesting people. Yep. This is the secret. This is the secret. RBG is the secret. It's the secret. She's the secret. Yep. Okay. Another fun fact. While at Harvard Law and and beyond, she was taking care of a 14-month-old child. She had a 14-month-old child and was enrolled in law school. So I just I had to point it out because that won't that is a a 14-month-old is a is a lot to deal with. That's a lot to deal. They walk, they talk. <laughs> Yeah, but they're still incredibly neat. I mean, she's a full-time mom and also at Harvard Law School trying not to, like, fail in front of these awful men who are like, we want you to fail. We want you to fail. She couldn't fail. She couldn't fail. Mm -mm. There was no room for failure. No. Probably not at the moment, but in the past, she usually does 20 push-ups a day followed by a 30-second plank, which is more than I will ever do. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to see her workout regime, please watch RBG, the documentary. Oh, oh my it's God. It's so good. It's so good. This, oh, this will make you mad. Before she was added to the court, there was only one bathroom on site at SCOTUS, and it was, you guessed it, 
a men's room. I hate you. Dot s. Dot. Mm-hmm. I don't. I I lo- I I enjoy America, but this bullshit really this bullshit yanks my chain. Justice O'Connor had to go back to her chambers if she needed to use the restroom. Fucking hate. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-mm. Okay, this one is just for you. I was not going to put this here until I saw. Don't read anything. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. (laughs) So her favorite justice was Justice Marshall Francis. And this is a quote from Ginsburg. Okay. He led the Marbury versus Madison case, Ah! which confirms the legal principle of judicial review, a.k.a. the ability of the Supreme Court to limit congressional power by declaring legislation unconstitutional, there's something nice about being able to dissent. Oh, that's so beautiful. I know. That's her favorite. According Tying- to Bustle, that's her favorite, which I'm sure this is from like an interview that she did. Oh, tying yeah. it all together, I just love. I know. It's very exciting. It's very exciting. All right. My last two fun facts are just great quotes from her. So um, this first quote Uh, is her quote on trying to get hired after law school. So, quote, the traditional law firms were just beginning to turn around on hiring Jews. But to be a woman, a Jew, and a mother to boot, that combination was a bit too much. So let's just reckon. (laughs) I feel like she needed her own Supreme Court case. Like, I want to see Ginsburg Mm -hmm. v. Lawyer name, lawyer name, LLC. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just want... But I think that's what's kind of amazing about her and her story is that she just she saw it happening and she just found a way around it in a very like quiet way of just she was just like, okay, I see all of this happening and I will simply just find the most brilliant way to overturn gender discrimination. And how do I do that? I use I use the most powerful thing in the world, men, white men to get it done. Oh, she's so good. And then finally, I'm going to end with this quote. Everybody knows it, but I love it. But it's a great one to end on. So this quote is about female justices on the Supreme Court. Ah, Love. Okay. When when I'm sometimes asked when there will be enough women on the Supreme Court, I say, when there are nine, people are shocked. But there have been nine men, and nobody's ever raised a question about that. Yes, honey, get it. And I think that that quote, like, surmises her entire career. It's just pointing out this thing of, like, why is it crazy that I want nine women? We've had nine men for literally all of history until Sandra Day (laughs) O'Connor. I don't see why it's, I don't see why. It's crazy. Yeah. And those are my notes on RPG. You did so well, honey. Thank you. I mean, there's just, there's so many amazing resources about her. It's like, if any of this piques your interest, like, just Google. I mean, there's a great book. I mean, there's There's, so many great books. There's the documentary that I've mentioned. There's just, I mean, she's all over the place. Yeah. Another fun fact about her is she was, like, best friends with Antonin Scalia. Yeah, they were really tight. Best friends. She loves opera. Like, she loves opera. She loves opera. That's so interesting. You know, like the yep. fun facts are never ending with this one. She's just truly one of a kind. I love. And we owe her so much, you know, as as humans and as specifically women. Yeah. You know, or as I should say, as non-white males. Mm-hmm. We owe her so much. Yep. And, you know, we just want to keep her safe. So not, you know, keep her safe, wrap her in some bubble wrap, and nobody break her. Yeah. January 21. That's it. We just, that's we, that's so close. It's so close. It's so close. It's, a, it's six months. It's like six months almost to the day. Yeah. We're so, we're so close, RBG. Just please, I think please, she'll please. be fine. I she did say fine. she, um, when she was giving an update, like, so basically she just announced that she had undergone more treatment because cancer had returned i think she had like it's in her liver or something like that and she was you know she was like i'm home i'm recovering and i've been keeping up with my scotus work and i've always said that i will stay on the bench as long as i am able to keep up with the work and i am able to keep up with the work i love it you know and i'm just like yeah mm-hmm. she's all there you read her stuff she's all there like she's all there 
She's, I mean, when you, when you see her in the, in the court, she's tiny, tiny, itty bitty, tiny And also those chairs being. are so large. Those chairs They're are the ridiculous. the tallest chairs. The tallest chairs you could possibly think of. And they put Ruth in this big ass chair. It's crazy. It's really, that whole stage setup is so gaudy. And then you're just like, look at who's up here. Fucking Kavanaugh? Sitting yeah. in like this tall chair with these red ass curtains. And then like little the tiny. The curtains are a lot. The curtains are a lot. And then little Ginsburg is just like. Yeah. Little like shrinking by the minute. Just so funny. Well, and it's also like because like the the benches are divided up into threes. So in the center three, it's obviously John Roberts in the middle. And then I think to the right, if you're looking at him, is Ginsburg. And then to the left is Clarence Thomas. Yeah. And even like that trio is just like a dynamic trio if there ever was one. Uh, Yes. And I think on the right, it's Kagan. Yeah. Mm, Is it a no, it's Kagan, Breyer and Kavanaugh. And then I believe it's Sotomayor. Yeah, they were on the left. Alito and um, Gorsuch on the left. Yep, yep. You know, but that that center trio is like a whoa. That center trio Talk about is. It. It's literally like decades. left, right, center. Yep, is what it is. Which is kind of like the ideal of the court in a way. Like, sure. You know. Sure. But but what a mind boggling! It was so funny to be there and see that. Yeah. Yep. But that's RBG, you guys, and that is our SCOTUS biopic biopic series. It's yay! It's it's over. That was the last one for now. That was the last one. Yeah, and we'll have to find other people. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know. Who could we people possibly make me less mad? I know. I feel like we should start going through like presidents and shit. Oh yeah, we could do presidents. Presidents and shit. Presidents and shit. We should do, like, presidents, and then we should do, like, first ladies. Yeah. Yeah, we should. Well, we should, yeah, we should definitely do first ladies, because there's some bumping first ladies, let me tell (laughs) you. They are. They really are. For sure. Oh, my God. For sure. But, guys, that was our episode for today. Yes. We we obviously love you so, so much. And if you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at... Let's get civical. You can rate us. You can review us. You can subscribe to us. We love you so, so much. And we will see you next Wednesday. Bye.